Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Amen. Word of God for our special consideration this morning is our verse of the day, Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance so that we would walk in them. Better. I apologize for that. Dear fellow followers of Christ, Recently, I read a story about a visitor to a butcher shop. We can't call her a customer. She enters with a a container in her hands and says to the butcher, Did you know that none of your items are vegan? He answers, Yes. And she says, If you want more vegan customers, you should sell some of my tofu loaf. And hands him the container. The butcher says, um, I, I don't think I'm going to be getting a lot of vegan customers, no matter what I sell. She then tells him that he's going to be losing the hipster customers, which makes up like 50% of customers. And as she's going out the door, she shrieks, sell tofu loaf. I think I'll have to agree with the butcher. He opened his shop with a specific purpose, to prepare and sell meat. Customers come to his shop with a particular expectation to buy meat. As good as the woman's tofu loaf might be, and as satisfying as it might be to the tastes of a vegan clientele, it is not what a butcher shop is for, and vegans are not going to go to a place that sells meat in order to get their meatless loaf. After all, it's a pretty simple concept. You expect a place to have products in keeping with its purpose and nature. You don't look for watermelons in an apple orchard. You don't shop for a new car at the pet store, and you don't order sushi at Taco Bell. In both our reading from Isaiah 5 and the parable in our gospel today, the Lord uses the imagery of a vineyard and what one should expect it to produce. In Isaiah, he judges the vineyard worthy of destruction because despite the care and attention he gave it, it produced only sour grapes, not the bountiful harvest of sweet grapes it was supposed to. In Matthew 21, Christ's parable gives us a landowner who entrusted his vineyard to wicked tenants, who then refused to give him the fruit of the harvest that was due him. Both passages use this vivid imagery to drive home an important God cares deeply about and expects to see works of faith from his people. Fruit matters. Now, in the first place, it matters simply because this is God's purpose and design. It's what we were created for. Adam and Eve were created perfect, and as perfect people, they would have produced a perfect harvest of perfect works to bring glory to God and joy to their lives. Since they sinned, there has been no perfection anymore. 
not for them, the world, or for any of us. Our sinful nature not only leads us to do what is wrong, but also keeps us from doing what is right. As we all are, we cannot produce the fruit our Creator looks for. Only one person since our exit from Eden has been truly able to. Jesus, the beloved Son of God that God sent to us to be perfect in our place and to bear the punishment for our sin all the way to crucifixion and death. Trust in Him and His work is the only way that any of us can be saved from sin and, and from death and hell that we deserve. And when we do believe, everything changes. We are made new creatures in Christ, becoming, as our verse tells us, God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. As Lutherans, we sometimes balk a little at this truth. We are so careful to never give good works any role in our salvation that we kind of forget that one of God's primary purposes in saving us was that we would do the things that sin and imperfection kept us from doing, the things that he'd had in mind for us all along. Good works. We do not love the Lord and love our neighbor in order to gain his favor and be delivered from sin. We obey the commandments and serve others because he has already given us his favor and delivered us from sin. As the verses just before this in Ephesians 2 tell us, Indeed, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. But works are still part of his plan for his people. It's our purpose now that he has claimed, named, and changed us. We are his vineyard, painstakingly prepared, carefully planted, lovingly tended, and powerfully protected, a vineyard designed to produce a harvest of sweet grapes. In Isaiah, we're told that the fruit he looks for is justice, not oppression, and righteousness, not an outcry. But there are other varieties of fruit that God says he looks for all through Scripture. Proper honor and heartfelt worship. Thanksgiving. Deep faith in him. Works of mercy toward others. Humility and gentleness. Obedience to our parents and others in authority over us. Studying his word and partaking of the sacraments. Speaking up for the defenseless. Standing for the truth. Caring for the weak or sick or poor. Comforting the lonely or grieving. And so, so much more fruit. Skeptics will sometimes claim that God is not so much loving as self-serving. Even narcissistic if he demands worship, faith, and obedience to his will from his followers. That criticism is wrong in every way, but it particularly overlooks the fact 
that so many of the good works that he has designed us for and looks for from his people are primarily things that benefit other people. Your children are cared for. The weak are strengthened. The lost are led home. The hungry are fed. The forgotten are remembered. The disadvantaged are helped up. As the Lutheran saying about the doctrine of vocation reminds us, God doesn't need your good works, but your neighbor does. So fruit clearly matters not just to the Lord, but to the world he created. Which means that it matters to every believer personally. We each want, as people of God, to produce works of faith in our lives, not only to bring glory to him, but also because it's good for us and good for everyone in our lives when we do. Paul, in our reading this morning from Philippians 3, expresses vividly this desire that we have to do the things and live the lives that our Lord has called us to. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus also took hold of me, forgetting the things that are behind and straining toward the things that are ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This is not something brand new or some additional thing on top of faith that saves us by grace. It is learning and striving to walk in line with what we have already attained. So one of the first questions we might then ask is, how? How do I do these things and live a life different from the one my sinful nature drives me toward and different from the one everyone else is living? Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us in the lurch. Paul called the Philippians to join together in imitating me and in paying attention to those who are walking according to the pattern we gave you. And we can do the same thing with his example and with the example of other godly men and women who walk in imitation of the Lord. But even more than that, we have God's Word in the Bible which tells us everything that we need to know, not only to be saved, but also to how to live our lives as his people in, in a sin-cursed and corrupted world. Psalm 119, verse 105, tells us that his words are a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. And Psalm 1, which we sang today, describes how blessed is the man or woman or child in whose delight is in the Lord's instruction, who meditates on it and who rejects the way of sinners and the counsel of the wicked. Such a believer who is daily and deeply in Scripture is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. We don't have to worry about producing that fruit in our own power either. 
whatever we need for doing works of faith is given to us through the Holy Spirit's work and the means of grace, the the Scriptures and the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper. It can be a struggle to love a family member who mistreats you. But God will give you what you need to bear that fruit. It can be hard to take the words and actions of certain people in the best possible way and to seek peace and understanding in place of conflict and hatred. The Lord will give you the strength to bear that fruit. It can be difficult to hold on to hope of healing or of a certain relationship improving or just of better days ahead. But the Holy Spirit is in the hope business so you can bear that fruit. It can feel like you're drowning and and weighed down by bricks when you're suffering from stress, anxiety, or depression that, that keeps you from doing the things that you want and need to do, keeps you from feeling the joy of living out your callings. But Christ invites the weary and burdened to come to Him so that He can take on their burdens and give them His strength to keep on bearing fruit. We can also count on God to keep on guiding and empowering us in another good work, helping others bear the fruit that God looks for in His vineyard. We, in our various vocations, have been given responsibility for various vines, and the fruits they bear matter to God and to us. Christian parents do the good work of raising their children to be strong Christians who do good works, including the good work of raising their children to be strong Christians who do good works. Christian friends do the good work of encouraging and when necessary, correcting their brothers and sisters in living as believers. Christian students of the Bible recognize and warn against the enemies of the cross of Christ who who teach false doctrines and promote sinful practices that, that could endanger the growth and even the salvation of other believers. Christian church members do the good work of supporting called workers like pastors who in turn train them for the work of serving in order to build up the body of Christ. And then the saints also do that good work of serving, whether it's helping with cleaning or mowing or the bulletin or the tech team or teaching Sunday school or or serving on the council, painting walls or doing repairs. All of these things help the church to help others with the Word, with worship, with fellowship, and so much more. These are fruits that our divine vineyard owner wants to find growing among us. and We want to be active and productive in nurturing and harvesting. Sadly, we see all around us the same kind of fruitlessness the Lord condemned through Isaiah and the same kind of unfaithfulness that Christ's parable revealed. A recent Barna survey of Americans who consider themselves Christians showed that 52% believe that they are saved by their good works, not 
by faith in Jesus as their Savior. And it's not much better among those who identify with churches that explicitly teach the gospel of salvation by Christ. And regarding the faith that self-described Christians believe is important, 68% say that the content or object of one's faith doesn't matter. In other words, whether you put your trust in Jesus or Mohammed or Vishnu or whatever, all that matters is that you believe. Now the point here is not, aren't we great that we've got our beliefs straight? No, the point is that these statistics represent vineyards that have not been well tended by those responsible for them. They are producing sour fruit instead of sweet. While we don't control what happens in other churches, we do have influence with other Christians, and we have a solemn charge to tend the vines and produce the fruit in our own families, congregation, and sin. Even more than that, we want to remember that God has called us to be His representatives to the unsaved and unbelieving around us and, and in the world. Jesus uses different in imagery but makes the same point in Matthew 5 when He describes His disciples as the light of the world and then tells us, let your light shine in people's presence so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. When your unbelieving spouse or neighbor, classmate or teacher, customer or co-worker, or maybe a perfect stranger, sees the fruit that your faith in Jesus produces, they will know that God's grace makes a difference. Maybe. Maybe they will even ask you to tell them the reason for the hope that you have. We pray for such opportunities to move Christ's mission forward. Now, it would be hard to miss in our readings today the graphic cautions about a wretched end that the Lord gives to the, the tenants and tenders who neglect or abandon their duties. The severe warning that the kingdom of God will be taken away from them and given to others should give us pause and make us careful. But that is not what motivates us. No, we want to be and to bear sweet fruit because we know it matters. We produce works of faith because we rejoice to do what we were created to do in Christ Jesus. And we do it out of thanks to the God of grace who saved us by grace and that we did not deserve and, and gave us eternal life and every blessing that we could never have earned. We love Him who loved us first, and so we also love to love our neighbors. What we do in faith and according to the pattern given us changes not just our lives, but the world we live in as we bring justice and righteousness and mercy and pardon to those who need them. What we do is in keeping with our, our nature, purpose, and design. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance 
so that we would walk in them. We are His vineyard. And in grace, by grace, and for grace, we produce fruit gladly. And we pray abundantly. Fruit matters. Amen. Please rise. Now to Him who is able, according to the power that has worked within us, to do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine, to Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.